Thanks for joining us for the first episode in the series that we call Teach Tapes. And joining me is the creator of the social media account, Teach Tapes, Steve Hauser. Steve, great to have you back here again. Yeah, Keith, awesome to get back and, and get kind of rolling with the season and see how we can go flow and get this thing rolling. Yeah, and when we look at things, and, and as we said, there's definitely going to be a podcast series focused on the special teams, but we'll get into some other technique and drills and practice considerations as well. Uh, but today's focus is going to be on you know that week one or week zero. Some teams have started around the country here, high school teams, colleges getting ready to tee it up for week zero. The NFL is a couple weeks into preseason. So at this time, special teams aren't necessarily settled in. They're the part of the game that get the least amount of reps. They get the least amount of practice time and need the most amount of organization because of all the different people involved. So that's going to be the focus today, just talking about things that can make a difference right now as you head into maybe week two or week zero or it's a couple weeks off for you, just things that are going to help with that. So I'll kick it over to you. When you think of this time of the year, what's the first thing that comes to mind as far as things that need to be taken care of and, and opportunities that teams can grow if they're thinking about these things? Yeah, I think it's a, a great point, Keith, is you know, offense and defenses go against each other and they have their own schemes that they know the strengths and weakness of, of their organization. Well, special teams, you're giving yourself the looks, right? You know your weakness. You have to script and Sometimes it's for success, let's not lie. There's other times where you got to punch holes and, and make sure you're ready for those pressure moments because the last thing you want in a week zero or week one opportunity is the unknown unknowns. Hey, new staff, new organization, new starters, just making sure that you can align, assign, and execute and just make sure you know yourself the best way that you can. And <laughs> sometimes that gets boiled out in the moments. You know, this is the time – Hopefully it's the week before the week for a lot of people and you got your mock game on Saturday and you're figuring out your final practice schedule of what a game week is and, you know, your minutes and your meetings and how many reps you're going to get. And, you know, it's just making sure you know yourself as well as you can. And you've been through this a number of times for you this particular week. What are the things you really focused on in order to make sure that that week one was going to run smoothly for you? I think as much as anything, Keith, is just getting back in the routine of, the players being back in class, having your team meeting at 2.30, make sure you know the information that you're getting to the kids ahead of time, board charts, teamwork text, um, and just making sure you know how much time you're going to have and what's realistic. Obviously, you're sprinkling a little, a little of the next opponent, but again, still buttoning up situational reps, backed up, kicked from the 50, you know, whatever it may be, you know, whether you sprinkled it in with some teaching stuff or you're going to bomb it all this week and, and make sure you at least have it on tape. So it's just a matter of, again, dotting your I's and crossing your T's in my mind, especially for a game week situation. Yeah, we, we talked about that the last time of handling those special situations or those rare situations that maybe come up one time over the course of a season. And you mentioned a lot of that, you know, teaching it as you go and working into to walkthroughs. But, you know, let's assume that, the team hasn't had the opportunity to cover, you know, like a straddle return or at the high school level, you know, a fair catch for a free kick, et cetera. You know, how do you handle that now with the time crunch? I mean, you know, a lot of teams into an in-season week. What would you do to handle that situation? I think like anything, Keith, it starts in the meeting room. It goes to a walkthrough and then you have to do it in a real situation. 
preview, review, and execute is what Coach Campbell always talked about in fall camp, right? Whether it's a walkthrough or meeting, you got to make sure you touch it up one more time and then go do it for real. And then obviously you got to deal with, you know, that situation, get it on film, make sure the kids have felt it as they're coming from an offense and defensive flow. And that way it's not, oh my God, like your heart's beating fast and we actually have to do it when things matter. So it's got to be, you know, I've seen other people say walk or crawl, walk, run, whatever that progression teaching is with anything else, you got to, you know, spoon feed it at first and, and make it real bullets. So in terms of making that switch from the camp mode to the practice mode, what were the biggest changes you made, obviously necessary with some of the, the time available to keep things moving forward, keep things progressing? I think like anything else, it's you get what you put into it. And the same thing in, in the special teams world, we all know that there's those four or five guys who make their way on the bus and they eat, sleep, and breathe it. And it's for all the right reasons. It's, you know, you see these scholarship videos at the end of fall camp and, and rewarding these guys and the whole team goes nuts because everyone's seen it right? The sweat in the weight room, the grit on the practice field and making sure those guys, you know, they can start to get that information before they even walk in the team meeting. Like it shouldn't be the first time they're touching this material when they're already taped and ready to go into O and D meetings. Like some of these guys are scout, scout team guys during the week. Like they, their special teams is their game to hell. They're still doing the stuff on the Sunday scrimmages sometimes with the younger developmental guys. But this is their moment where, they know that information's coming to them by noon or by 11 or whenever you get that to them during their lunch and they can start to look through it on their phone or, or peek it in the facility ahead of time. I think that's huge. Just making sure everyone's rhythms and routines are on track. So as you go over the, the course of the week, what was the routine you were used to in, in terms of, all right, it's a, a Monday or you know practice one of, of the week heading into, into a game week? How are you going to break that up? I love that we hit that stuff in the morning as a group before big staff meeting. Um, obviously, myself and the position coach who's leading the, the units would talk about it the night before, make sure everything's final for that 7 a.m. meeting, making sure that everyone's bought in and, and it's before the rest of their offense and defensive day is gone. That way, any depth or situational or you know minor adjustments of what we go through as a staff I can hit that stuff in the morning. And again, I'm not in it right now, but this was just that track of making sure it gets distributed to the players. That way, coaches around lunchtime, they're walking through the halls, making sure you're final with everything and, and the meetings are done and you know things are, you know equipment, videos, and then you're leading into your team meeting, breaking that stuff down at night and making sure you got the next day set up. I mean, once you get in the flow of the day, the day is the day. But I think that was always nice of just having that morning hey, everything's organized, the flight deck's ready to go, and whether it's the coaches or the players. From a practice standpoint and the different things, different units you're going to work each day, along with maybe some of the individual time you get, what what was the breakdown for you day-to-day uh, -day over the course of a game week? Personally, this is the way we've had it at a lot of the places I was, was KOR in punt on Tuesday, and then kickoff in punt block or punt return on Wednesday. And then depending on what you've done with the team philosophy, whether it's that, you know, core four review on Thursday or Friday. Now, you know, selfishly, I loved when we practiced on Fridays. I had never done it before, but that Thursday walkthrough was really a great time for everyone to take a breath. And, you know, you know, sometimes coach had us take the kids shoes off. They were just in socks. Like, so you literally couldn't do anything. It was supposed to be a mental walkthrough, but you had some extra time to touch up the corrections and then 
hit your one or two reps of things on Friday before you get on the bus. I like some teams do all coverage units on Sundays. We had talked about it on certain staffs of a lot of times those are the same kids. You know, everybody's got their catapult numbers and you never want to be on that side of the, the conversation and big staff when one guy's numbers through the roof and you're like, everyone looks at you and you just did three full cover kickoffs and two full cover punts and you wonder why the numbers are up. I also thought it was really helpful just from an install standpoint of your punt is your punt, your KOR is your KOR. You know your your variations in what you've got to stress, but obviously kickoff, I mean, it's the longest run fit of anything on the field, right? Punt return, punt block. You got 11 different alignments and assignments based on structures and, you know, making sure you can match a line and be secure, but also have an advantage with that ball up in the air for four seconds. So I always felt better having those units later in the week so we could make some adjustments and really have the plan dialed in and not be rushed. When you look at uh, the, the player load, Thing. You mentioned the catapult there and the, the data that you're getting, and certainly teams who have that, that's useful information. I know that technology is becoming more and more affordable, and you're seeing it used uh, at the high school level now. But even without it, uh, looking at the number of units that a starter can be on, is, is was there a limitation that you had to that, or how did you figure out what was the right amount for those guys? Well, number one, it's it's the head coach's prerogative. Um, it's the team of what we need to do to win. And some weeks that's zero, some weeks that's one, some weeks it's two. I mean, we played at Texas and we felt really good with an overload scheme on punt block. And we had our six six receiver who got drafted by the Cardinals. <laughs> He'd never done punt block besides fall camp of getting some, you know, teach tape clips. And we used him as the overload guy because we wanted his wingspan. We told him the role, and he was through the roof excited about it. And he had never done special teams, and he didn't the rest of the year. But that was the unit on a you know, big Saturday night game. He was on pump block, and he was all about it. But if you give him the role and they know the why, then those guys are juiced. They know it can make the difference. Well, let's take a look at that game day and the preparations, the final minute. You know, I'm, I'm getting organized now as a special teams guy, your charts, et cetera. For you, what was the checklist? What was the operations you went through personally to make sure you were ready to go for game day? Me personally, it, especially with the specialists, I know this sounds crazy, but is get the heck out of their way. Like sometimes we can always put our anxiety and our stress onto the players and, you know, those guys, their, their confidence and their technique and their process, having a great plan ahead of time, managing the reps through the week and, you know, sometimes it was leaning on the older guys. I mean, making sure that, hey, if you know a certain guy is going to be like in this moment, hey, you're in charge on the sideline, up in, I'm up in the box, and maybe you got a, a coach who's been there before as a snapper or whatever it is, and just kind of hang with those guys, check in. I, I mean, finding a way to have that communication with your coaches from upstairs. But, you know, a lot of times I'd find myself watching the opponent on pregame more than anything, making sure that you know, who's missing? Is there a guy um, in a jersey standing along the sideline? Where is his spot um, on those different units on the chart? Um, and as much as anything, charting their punter and their kicker um, to make sure we know situationally what end of the stadium, how they're hitting the ball. Um, I mean, Jack Trice, the, the wind can come in from a number of different areas. Boone Pickens, the, the sun's in your eyes in a day game. Like making sure that we know situationally what these opponents are able to do where we're playing. Yeah, with that in mind, and I always had somebody who was a head coach up up there taking a look at all those different specialists and what they were doing in pregame and the distances they were hitting, how the wind was affecting them, et cetera. 
the long snappers, the timing. Is timing something you, you looked at as well? Did you get a stopwatch on those guys? 100%. Um, as much as anything, it was it was more just the direction ability of the punter, making sure we know, hey, this guy's going to be more towards the numbers. He's going to be more down the, num- the, the divide between the numbers and the, the uh, hash. Um, just the hang time, making sure we could get our guy comfortable. Um, obviously, there's no other playing football where you got, you know, 20 other guys running down at you besides the punter and you're looking up in the air. So you want that guy to be as confident as you can. As you get into the game, right, making sure the right personnel are out on the field. This is the time of year when you see that, truthfully, at every level, right? There's there's the situation yeah. where there's too many or not enough. Uh, operationally, what things did you put into place to make sure that you avoided those situations where you didn't have the right people or – too many people or someone was missing let's be honest Keith I, I wish I had all the answers on that but those bullets are flying in real time and you got to have it takes takes a village right I mean you see all the strength coaches running around you got your two guys on that staff that are really lined up and focused on corralling guys and you know your returners coach making sure they go back and you know it, it really is having the eyes from upstairs was always something where I was of just counting and making sure we're not missing anything. You always got to make sure your number duplicates. I mean, if that's like an alarm for anybody that's going through, like make sure your number one punt returner isn't also, you know, a number one linebacker <laughs> and your defensive safe and you now have a numbers violation and that's a first down. Like those are the things like you talk about checklist stuff, like being organized in the office. That's the stuff that can save you as that play clock's ticking down. I mean, it sounds really dumb, but somebody told me once you can play with 10, you can't play with 12. Right. In in that regard, looking at the specialists, and this is something that came up in a, a high school game I was watching this past week. The the starter, as far as the long snapper, went down, uh, at least momentarily, and it looked like the next guy was going in. And I'm sure, you know, he, he was a kid who I was there watching pregame. He was over there making the snaps. He wasn't particularly good in pregame. Uh, probably a guy they're working on with JV, a developing kid, probably a want-to guy more than a can guy. But you always have to have like that next best guy ready. Uh, and I'm sure it's, it's the same at every level, right? Uh, what's the best approach to that situation? You know, the, there's certainly the guys you're developing, but what about the game on the line type of guys? How, how do you ensure that? for this situation this is the best thing for us yeah i mean number one the number one thing is can you trust them right i mean someone told me once like why why would i ever trust you on saturdays if i can't trust you sunday through friday so that's a huge part of it and that trust is earned you know for a long i mean talk about play 12 guaranteed saturdays a lot of time that you can build that trust and you know the perfect example was you know at Iowa State, we had an NFL long snapper, Steve Wartell, and we actually used uh, another snapper for short snaps because Steve was so critical to what we did in our punt scheme. We could actually set him in protection, and he was athletic enough to still contribute downfield. So we used uh, an excellent walk-on snapper. We had two different walk-on guys from Iowa, shorter, sawed-off guys, but competitors. Great in the weight room, conscientious teammates that did the short snaps that we felt really confident in. That way, we didn't have to put ourselves in a bind um, and really pr- protected him for our punt scheme. 
Now there's other times where you don't have that backup. That that's real. Like you got to figure it out. And, you know, I, I was telling you the other day, Keith of, you know, Jason McAdoo at Oklahoma state, he was a, a snapper, you know, during his college career, he's the tight ends coach there. And he worked with the starting tight end and said, I, I'll be damned if I'm going to let us lose this game on a punt because the snapper goes down and I didn't teach you my guy in my room how to do this. And he's Jarwin has been a starter on the Dallas Cowboys for a number of years. I mean, just to have that in his bag, that just shows you the, the right type of people in the right moments are where they need to be. So taking the time ahead of time to figure it out. So in thinking of that scenario, I also saw the opportunity and I'm not sure if uh, the, the other team saw it up in the press box or realized, okay, this guy who is a, a linebacker went down. He's also the long snapper. And then I'm watching this, you know, I'm in the stands watching it. I'm thinking if I'd have somebody up in the press box looking for this, you know, shoot, there's that kid. He can't, he can't get it back there consistently. We need to go after this one. And I hadn't seen that, that particular team go after one that day. They were in returns. I uh, didn't go after a block. Now the kid popped back up, went back in the game, made the snaps, but you know, those situations, looking for those opportunities, knowing, hey, they have an injury, this guy's in, you know, we might want to change things up as far as uh, our, our particular strategy in this situation. 100%. I mean, it's the same go at, you know, clean jersey guy that you'd see running in that corner and, you know, you got him to the boundary, let, let's go, you know, put our guy on his guy, let's figure it out. I mean, you'd talk about the snapper, Keith, but it's the same thing with the punter. You get a freshman in there and his ball skills aren't great and he's looking up at the rush and, you know, Coach Gundy would always talk about, you know, it's about creating mishits as much as it is blocks. Like what's the difference if you get a 45-yard punt and a 10-yard return or if you send a rush and the kid shanks at 33 yards out of bounds? Well, it's an ugly play, but we did a better situation overall for the offense. So I think it's, it's really evaluating everybody in that unit of how it can affect the position players. So, Coach, as we wrap up here today, we want to share the Teach Tape clip of the week, uh, something that we'll put a link to in our show notes, but coaches can go and check out at Teach Tapes and see something that's important here. And for you, what would you decide on for this week? Uh, Coach, it's something that you know, people say the word complimentary football and think it's just running the ball or making sure you're aligned with your game plan and your scheme and, you know, setting up your team for success but sometimes it's just in the right moments how one play and one decision can affect everybody else on the sideline I mean you go through and you know, we had I found a rep of Bruce Arians going through a team meeting um, with the Cardinals back when he was there and you know they were looking at a two-minute drive at the end of a game and you know the Giants is third and goal I think and they could have just took a sack and it's still you know they're going to be up you know three right there but they're going to hit a field goal no matter what to go six and they threw the ball out of the back of the end zone when the opponent had no timeouts. Well, that stopped the clock at a minute 20 instead of taking the sack, and then the field goal is going to be hopefully made either way. Well, they gave Tony Romo another 40 seconds on the clock, and, you know, they, they marched it down the field, and, you know, the point of the conversation was that touchdown's as much on the offense as it is anybody. So when people think situations, they think, hey, it's the special teams guy's Super Bowl. Well, that's an awareness standpoint of, just like people talk about Nomas of going down after the first down or the defense having a barrier play of letting the guy through so we can get another possession to go score. Well, it's making sure you set the whole team up the right way. And, you know, 
a lot of times those are great head coaching moments to bring all three sides of the ball together. And, you know, sometimes we all get so caught up in our own worlds that in a more relaxed moment, you can see that stash it in your library and man, maybe it's three days, maybe it's a week, maybe you find the right time to broach it with the right person. And that clip can spark another idea. And it's just something that can make up when things are chaotic, find it in a calmer moment and process it for how it fits your team. And I think that's the, the, the power of what you're doing with Teach Tapes is, is getting this short form content and putting it out there for coaches. A lot that you can learn in two minutes and 20 seconds and uh, a lot that you can share with players, right? There's going to be these moments that you see on Teach Tapes that you say, wow, that, this guy needs to see this here on my team. This could happen to him. So uh, we'll put that one, that particular clip, linked in our show notes, and you can follow all of it at Teach Tapes. And, Coach, I'm looking forward to this series. We'll get into it, have some specific game examples as we get going here. But, uh, as I said, it was great to catch up with you here, and I'm really looking forward to this. Absolutely. Thanks, Keith. Talk to you soon.